welcome back to Fully Equipped. Well, it's feast or famine around these parts on what we like to uh, we like to call the rudderless dinghy is what I'm starting to call it. You know, to to be nautically accurate, Gene, I, I went to go look and see if dinghies actually have a rudder, and I found out that most of them do have a rudder, but it's attached by a piece of rope to keep it from floating <laughs> off into the ocean, which sounds very accurate for our podcast. That's that's that tracks for our show and uh, pretty much uh, not really built built for anything other than calm seas. What's not built for rough seas? Yeah, no, or any sort of chop. Yeah, so as you can probably tell, it is J Wall and Gene. Last week we had the whole crew back, Chris and RB, and now they've now they've disappeared. I don't know where Chris is. I do know where RB is. He is he's at Oak Hill for the PGA Championship. He was reporting in. I just gave him a call before we recorded this podcast to see if there's anything else going on. And he was reporting from the Titleist truck. Because I don't know if you knew this, Gene. It is really cold at Oak Hill, which is located in Rochester, New York. So upstate New York. Yeah. It It's no surprise. Rochester in May might get a little bit dicey for weather it's 40 degrees 39 to 40 degrees right now at the golf course and you know obviously when it gets that cold you don't see a lot of golf this time of the year being played on the professional circuit where it's you know guys wearing beanies in mid-may but it did make me wonder where is that threshold for when you'll start to see a dip in ball performance due to temperature you know I, i always have felt like you know, and once you get into the 30s, you might start to see a little bit of a dip in in distance. Is that is that accurate? I'm sure you've done some testing on this. Yeah, it's it's accurate. It's kind of a twofold. Uh, one, it's that we've seen is it's the actual temperature. So the lower the temperature, the the harder the golf ball becomes, the less reflexive it becomes. But secondly. Um, the amount of time under that temperature. So if you leave your balls in your car overnight in your trunk and it gets down to the 20s and then you go tee them up at 7 a.m., you're done for the first five or six holes. The ball could feel warm to your hand, but so you could warm it up in your pocket, but it's the inner cores that it takes a lot longer to warm up. So I'm sure these guys have taken precautions. And what they've done is number one, kept the golf balls inside overnight. And number two, I'm sure they've got heating devices to guarantee. So there is a little bit of an effect, probably not great, maybe two to three yards, just as far as the colder air is concerned. Um but the the main factor is if you let the golf balls get cold and stay cold. And I'm guessing that none of these guys are allowing that to happen. But it's important for our listeners, especially to play in the Northeast this time of year and around the fall, when it's cold in the morning, take your golf bag or just take your balls, put them next to your bed and bring them out in the morning. It will make a world of difference. Yeah. Now is is the opposite in play when if you were were like me and you live in Texas during the summertime, maybe you leave your golf balls in the car when it's, you know, hundred and hundred plus degrees. And then you get up the next morning, it's probably still in the eighties and you go out and play. I mean, are you going to, are you going to notice a difference in performance? If your golf, if you leave your golf balls in hot car? 
It's it's really interesting that you ask that. We have never seen. I hear that theoretically you can reach a point of like one ten where the golf ball stops performing because uh, it never gets that hot in San Diego. I've never been able to verify that. It was interesting. I built a robot um, for testing of baseball bats and baseballs, and we would test with Rawlings, and we were testing out kind of further east in San Diego where it got hot. And after it got over 100 degrees, they stopped the testing. And sure enough, so we were hitting like basically the equivalent of a home run ball. And the ball started dropping 10 feet short when it got over 100 uh, degrees. So a, a baseball, and it was wild to see. Um, and they explained it to me how the construct of a baseball, it, it expands and it doesn't have the aerodynamic properties. That definitely is the case, but I have, uh, I've never seen it with a golf ball. The other part, and again, this is just my like true gear nerd self coming out, but then, then I'm starting to wonder is the performance, you know, the decrease in the increase that you might see is, is there a difference if you're using a Serling cover versus your thing cover? We didn't really see that so much. It was activating the inner cores and how they come compressed that was yeah. how it was explained to me that was the major major difference now if you went to a balada ball you'd probably have a completely different situation but oh, yeah. most modern golf balls have similar construction internally and so it's just a matter of does that do those inner mantles or cores uh get hard enough and rigid enough that they don't uh rebound to get you the uh maximum velocity yeah it's it, again, it'll be interesting. I don't think the temperatures are supposed to stay down in the forties all week. I know that they had a snowstorm in back in May, so they've been prepping like crazy for this, for this tournament. But yeah, again, one more thing to consider as, as you're getting ready to tee it up at Oak Hill, which, you know, I think this is going to be a really fun test for pros, you know, ever since they moved the PGA to May, it's, it's added, uh, another layer of intrigue to this major, you know, it's, it's certainly not one that everybody gets excited for. I think if you look at the major schedule, everybody would put the masters at number one. It's sort of the official start of the golf season. Everybody loves Augusta. Then I would say that, eh, yeah, probably, I guess maybe you'll be more biased towards the U S open. If you live over here in the States, just simply because a lot of a lot of golf fans enjoy watching the the best players in the world get absolutely bludgeoned to death by a, a USGA setup. You have the history of the of the Open Championship, and again, if you're if you're stateside, it's always fun to wake up really early in the morning and, and watch live golf. And I think you know the history of the Open Championship. The PGA has always sort of been that that you know taking up the rear when it comes to the, the major excitement. And, you know, it's tough because the PGA is the lone major where you get the PGA professionals in the field, like the guys that are actually making, making the golf world go around. You know, they're the ones that are, that are giving the lessons and running the pro shops. These are the guys that are getting into the field for the PGA championship. And I think that adds something fun to it, but this is not going to be your typical PGA championship test, which, you know, normally we're used to seeing low scores at this major Oak Hill ever since they did this redesign and they're bringing it back to the, the original Donald Ross design, they changed the greens, but 
they are growing the rough up. It's it does feel a little bit to me, Gene, like it might be a proper uh, U.S. Open esque setup, and I think that could make it fun because you know if, if RB was here, he would be giddy because you know he wants to see the the best players in the world struggle. But I could see it happen this week. I mean, are you going to be watching any of this any of this major? I know you're. I know you're feeling under the weather right now, so I'm guessing you're probably just going to be sleeping. If I uh, if I make it through my stomach virus, I will I will definitely be watching on Saturday and Sunday. I mean, you know, I've been stating all along that rough is the X factor that determines distance and it determines risk reward. And if you have a player that um, can overcome the um, you know the rough and still hit the ball out there a long way. They deserve to win. They deserve that because they are hitting the ball accurately. They are proving themselves. It's the players that just swing out of their shoes and can go find it in medium rough that I kind of criticize because it's just rewarding distance, but it's not rewarding skill. And um, when the rough is grown, I absolutely love it because I think that, you know, you it's it's risk reward and that's what the game's all about is if you go for it and you win you deserve to win if you go for it and end up in three feet high rough and are hacking it out and double bogeying it sucks to be you might want to think next time when you tee it up so you know it uh it'll be fun to see but i just think that's the solution to the whole distance debate right there. And I think all of these um, tournament organizers have that, you know, right at their disposal and can make that call at any time. Yeah. Now, Oak Hills, I, I agree. I totally agree. I think the rough is the X factor. Um, and they, they were just saying, I guess the, the, the blades, the, the type of grass that they have at Oak Hill is making it, it extra thick. It's not very tall, but it seems to just just swallow up golf balls, and and that's why I think pros are are giving Oak Hill. Um, I think they're respecting the golf course a bit more, at least at least from what you're hearing from from guys that have gone through the the press room so far this week. And based on what RB was hearing from his time out at Oak Hill, we're gonna see guys make some changes that you would expect to see for a golf course where you, you're going to be playing from the rough. Not everybody's going to be hitting the fairway. This is a 7,400 yard golf course, but it's a par 70. So it's, it's extra long for, for a par 70 golf course. So you, you can't, the tough thing for a golf course like this is you can't lay back a whole lot because that's going to leave you with a lot of long irons or, or, you know, for a lot of the bigger bombers, mid irons into the, into the green. And these green complexes, especially the runoff areas, are are pretty diabolical. There were a lot of pros that were working on those runoff areas just to try and get a handle on them. But the big change that I think you're going to see this week is a lot of seven and nine woods. It's it's a club that we've seen pop up in the bags of guys like Dustin Johnson. Um, some of the bigger hitters are using a seven and a nine wood. And we saw, you know, Matt Fitzpatrick use use a seven and a nine wood at a major. And I think we're going to probably see it again. And the reason why these high loft fairways are so great from the rough is because you can use them to try and 
fly the ball in on, on a par five, you can get the height, but also from that rough, it can help extract that golf ball. Um, it, it seems to be a better option. You know, there are some guys going to hybrids, but the, the high lofted fairways seem to be one of those versatile clubs that again, you know, I, I don't know why more golfers, when I say more golfers, I mean, you know, the average amateur golfer. I don't know why more golfers don't use high lofted fairways. That that's a question. And again, I, I don't want to like go off on a tangent here, Gene, but, but it does, it does make you wonder, is it just simply because golfers are still think that seven and nine woods are, are for you know, like Mr. and Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Havocamp, you know, it, I think, I think some of it's the sweeping motion of the fairway wood versus the digging motion of the hybrid. And I think it's just a matter of your, uh, confidence, you know, because as we've seen in tests, they both do similar things, but they are different setups. And, you know, if, you know, the driver, the fairway wood, and then the high lofted fairway woods, those are full arc swings. And those give you a greater chance to really kind of screw things up. Whereas a uh, higher lofted hybrid is more of an iron swing. So it's more of a condensed swing. So um, I think that's the reticence of going, you, you do have to have a little bit of an elevated skill level or, or as you said, a slower club head speed. If you have a slower club head speed, it all balances out. But if you don't, I just think there's the potential for that miss. The hybrid usually has a little bit deeper face. So you're going to make contact on the ball versus those fairway woods. They can get really, really Thin. And I just think from a confidence factor and also that arcing swing factor, um, that starts to intimidate a lot of average players. Yeah. Yeah, it, it might intimidate the the average player, but I know it, it certainly isn't going to be something that's going to scare away the, the top-level pros. So, again, seven and nine woods are going to be in play this week. I do think, and I was looking – I was poking around Getty. I know Bryson has one in the bag this week. is an 11-and-a-half degree. But TaylorMade's mini driver, I think this is a great opportunity for somebody to win a major with a mini driver. Just simply because the again, with it being with it being a tight golf course, with the rough being an issue, you know, I think you're gonna see guys use a lot of fairway woods off the tee, but I could see mini drivers, just something that's a little bit longer than than your typical than your typical three wood i could see something like this just getting worn out by a guy who's up there near the top of the leaderboard um absolutely a, yeah yeah tommy fleetwood's put one in play recently at, at rbc heritage so i do i think you could see somebody near the top of the leaderboard carrying one of these in the bag as far as other things that that rb said he noticed this week at oak hill the obvious ones here we're, go, we're going with fresh wedges. One of the popular ones is a wedge that actually released here in the last, you know, the last week, which is the new Vokey V grind. And we we gave away one on the pot on the uh, on our social media handles if you didn't see that. But the V grind is interesting because it is essentially a, a T grind, so it's going to be a narrower sole. Um, T grind has less bounce. It's going to make it a great option for, for guys with really elite hands that, that like to, to get that leading edge right along the turf. But the V is going to be better if you are somebody with a shallower 
or uh, a more neutral angle of attack. Um, you know, it's, it's always funny whenever, whenever Vokey releases these wedge grinds, I do wonder if they're doing it. I mean, they're doing it for the retail group. You know, they want to sell wedges and it's a limited line, but it does make you wonder like, okay, maybe they're prepping for, for a lot of these at a major. And of course this is the week where they are going to see a lot of the V grinds out there on tour. So if you do want to try the same thing that the guys are going to be using at O'Kill, it is an option, but it's not something that you're going to see on a, on a regular basis out of Vokey. So fresh wedges, I think you're going to see, and here's an interesting one, Gene. RB said that he's hearing that some guys are, are going to weaker lofts in their irons. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of that is just, you know, trying, trying to find ways to, to, to hit these greens, you know, not, not crazy weak, but at least they're, they're making adjustments for the golf course, but I almost never hear pros make, make adjustments no, that's to an iron loss for, for a major championship. Cause they usually don't like that, especially if there's any weather, because they don't want the balls being up there, you know, being, um, subjected to the swirling wind. So that's, that's a really interesting one. Yeah. Um, so those are, those are the big changes that we're seeing for this week. Again, not, not, nothing too crazy. The one thing that I did notice, and a lot of people laughed at me, Rory McIlroy, there was a photo of him and I noticed that he's using Nike golf tees. And even, yeah, Gene's laughing. We talked about Nike recently and, and it feels like, it feels like it's a regular topic on the podcast, but I love the gear minutia, man. I love, I love knowing like Rory's using a Nike tee. I didn't even know Nike made tees. I'm sure they did. You know, they make them for Rory. Somebody actually, when I posted the photo, they have one of Rory's golf tees. And uh, he, he confirmed that it doesn't give you any extra power when you use it, but it does have roars on the, on the top of the tee. And I, I know Rory's going to be a guy this week who's, um, he, you know, I don't think he's going to be a popular pick. Obviously, his interview was pretty interesting because he gave a lot of short, short answers. And, um, you know, there's, there's a picture floating around from our own uh, Claire Rogers from golf.com who snapped a photo of all the former PGA champions walking to to a dinner last night and there's a picture in the photo is phil mickelson standing or walking next to colin morikawa and in front of them is tim finch or sorry not uh not tim fincham but uh but there's Moyne, yeah jay monahan is there with rory mcelroy and it is a great photo it it's like one of those where you could you could think about it a million different ways like, what are they talking about? How is like how is Monahan and Rory like they're just right in front of Phil? I, I don't know how those two didn't didn't you know have a come to blows, but yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting week for Rory more than just the golf tees. But um, you know, yeah, you're going to see some changes more than anything else from pros, and I think it's going to be a good week for hopefully, you know, I think if you're if you're looking for best case scenario. I think you're looking for for a John Rom Scotty Scheffler showdown. I mean, those those two guys have been on a completely different level over the last you know year and a half. I think I think the golf world is craving a a one on one matchup between those two on Sunday. I mean, the one thing that's interesting about the PGA, especially with this course setup, you could get a guy who's not that long, but hits every fairway and every green, and just you know 
is getting up and down and everybody else is spraying the ball. And, you know, that's, that's what's interesting is it is a little bit of an X factor tournament in that regard. Um, you know, accuracy like the U S open is, is rewarded. So there could be, there could be, you know, um, an underdog coming out, but I, you know, Rom and Scheffler, they're tough to beat against. Uh, the interesting one for me that everybody is just rooting for, but nobody can quite figure out when he's just going to kick it into gear is Rory. I mean, it's just like every time it's like, Rory, okay, this is your masters. You're all set up and boom, nothing happens. And it's just, he's really, I don't know, you know, I don't know if part of it is just the fire of he's got a good life. He's got a marriage. He's got one or two kids, or if it's just, you know, um, the competition is caught up to him. I don't know, but it's, it, he, he seems to underperform when expectations are high as of late. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of that has to do with, he was the mouthpiece for the PGA tour during, you know, during the height of all the, the live chatter. And he was sitting in on, on, you know, 10 hour meetings, or at least that's what was being reported seven to 10 hour meetings when, when players were, were talking about defecting and they were trying to, to, you know, shore up the ranks. And I think, I think he just, I think he's sick and tired of, of talking about live and, and giving thoughtful answers. I think he just wants to play golf. And apparently he had a, a chat recently with Tiger and I wouldn't be surprised if Tiger told him, look, man, just stop talking, play golf, get back to what you love doing. You, you know, you don't like doing this. You're doing it out of obligation, but just stop being nice. Stop giving all these long winded answers and, and just do your presser, check it off the box and just go. So, and I think we saw that this week in his, like I said, in his press conference, very, very short answers from him. And Yeah. I think I think it's this I think this could be a week where where we could see Rory put it all together. You know, expectations are low. I, you know, obviously he's Rory McIlroy and everybody expects him to play well at major championships, but I think I think with with lower expectations, I think that's good for Rory. He can sort of hide in the weeds a little bit. If he you know he goes out and shoots a low round on the, you know, Thursday or Friday, people are going to start talking about him, but yeah, I think I think Yellis plays better when the expectations are low. I'm rooting for him. I like him. It's just, you know, it's, uh, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see if you can put it together. Yep. So we talk about all the gear changes that players are going to be making. One change that you will not be seeing a lot of players make is still their grips, Gene. <laughs> nice. Wow. You're, you're getting better. Here we go. Especially if you're one of the, you know, 70 to 80 plus percent of the pros in the field who are going to be using a grip from golf pride. If you don't know already golf pride is a wonderful sponsor of this fair podcast and they have a wide selection of grips, everything from the MCC that John Rom uses on his clubs all the way to the CPX. If you like that softer feel on your grip and they actually have a limited edition version. We haven't talked about this one, Gene, but they have a tour velvet, tour tack and this is an interesting grip because i'm a tour velvet guy so anything around that product is going to pique my interest now i like it because it's pretty traditional just a very traditional rubber grip it's it's got a good feel for it but 
I know some golfers like a little bit of an extra tacky feel, and that's what you're going to get with this new Tour Velvet Tour Tack is a tackier feel. This is coming straight from the Tour. Some guys wanted that feel on their on their grip, and Golf Pride, you know, they have. If you've never seen their facility, we've we've had a chance to tour in in Pinehurst. It is seriously impressive. It also happens to be in Pinehurst, which I don't know how those people actually get work done when you are around uh, all those golf courses, but somehow they make it happen and they keep making grips. So again, if you want to check out the Tour Velvet Tour Tact, CPX, MCC, you've got the MCC Plus 4. If you want the Tour Velvet with the Align, which is that reminder ridge on the back, they've got you covered there as well. Um, make sure you go check out golfpride.com for the full array of grips. And oh, by the way, if you want free shipping on your next order from golfpride.com, enter code fully equipped, F-U-L-L-Y-E-Q-U-I-P-P-E-D at checkout to get free shipping. All right. And thanks again to Golf Pride for sponsoring the pod. Gene, I think it's time to do a little bit of robotic testing talk. We went through recently and we teased a little bit about our iron testing that we did, but we haven't really dug into the numbers. And I think that's what I, I, I would like to do. And I know a lot of people who listen to the pod have been asking for it as well. We released all the, uh, the pertinent details. And one of the funny things that I do get from people is they, they want, they want the raw data. They they want they're like hey can you send me can you send me whatever Excel spreadsheet you have with all the data and I'm like nah I'm I'm good it's all proprietary for those that that are curious not something that we're gonna to uh, to put out there in in the public arena but we will go through and highlight the things that certain irons do well and you know Gene this was a fun test to do simply because if I look at where we were last year with club test. We just did driver testing. That was it. And it received a lot of interest from, from readers that, you know, they want to know, they always ask what drivers are good for toe shots, what drivers are good for heel misses. Um, I need more ball speed. What's a really fast driver? You know, that, those, those are all the questions that we get. And we were able to at least point out, well, hey, these drivers do these things well. We've since expanded it to Fairway Woods. If you want to go check that out, it's on the homepage of golf.com. Just kind of scroll down a little bit to the club test section. You can find the driver and the Fairway Wood insights. And now you can find the iron insights. We ran this at what, 92 miles an hour, Gene, with uh, with your robot? Yes. Yep. 92 miles an hour, same stiff flex shaft. So we could get an apples apples comparison, same attack angle. And actually, I'm sorry. 82 miles an hour. 82. Okay. Cause yeah, we ran, we ran. So, um, just to tease it for next week, we have, uh, wedge insights coming out, which I'm, I, there were some fun ones in there and we'll, we'll get to that one in a, in a future pod. So, so we, we ran it in the eighties and we were able to come up with some interesting insights. I'll just kind of go through some of the ones that stuck out to me. Um, I mentioned this in the teaser, but man, Gene, PXG, they they kind of cleaned up in in the yep. iron space. The the 0311P, the Gen 6, which is their newest 
iron. The, the P is going to be for uh, the player iron, so a little bit better player. And then the XP, which is their game improvement model. Those two irons showed up in a lot of spaces in in our in our iron insights. Yeah, they 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 put some they put some money in material, no doubt about it. Yeah, they 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 no doubt they did. So if I'm going through, they had the top. They were tops in dispersion. Their 0311 P, which were you know you'd think the most generous and and forgiving, the one that would have the the tightest uh, delta from comparing the the heel and toe numbers to to geometric center would would maybe be the XP. It was actually the P, which had a delta of 4.8 yards of distance drop off, meaning that if you're somebody who misses it across the the face, whether you know you don't you don't you know wear out the heel more than the toe, you hit it all over the place you're going to see pretty similar carry distance numbers across the entire face on, on the P. Um, you know, again, there's a lot going on inside that head, which I think makes it a bit more forgiving, but, and this is something that I wanted to ask you about to, to get your take, or at least maybe why you think this was the top three irons in, on the dispersion, in the dispersion category were all better player models which I guess to me, I would have expected the, the more forgiving models to, to have the better dispersion, but you've got the 0311P, you had the P, uh, P770, and then the JPX923 Tour. You don't really, well, I mean, the last two, you have Stealth HD on there, which is um, definitely, I would say, uh, like, a, like a almost like super game improvement, and then the Paradigm X, which is a game improvement model, but yeah, I, I would have to say that I was a little bit surprised to see some better player models there at the top. To be fair, we also didn't run, you know, we kind of simplified this for our first version and didn't run a six or a nine point test, you know, and if if we would have run this out on some of the extreme points where a lot of the game improvement clubs really do shine the 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 numbers, this was kind of an intro. The 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 keys to me for this when you're looking at irons is we had a Delta of uh, 4.4 degrees on launch angle. We had a Delta of 3000 RPM on spin. We had a um, total distance Delta of 30 yards. And it just highlights all of these irons perform completely differently um, based on their launch and spin characteristics. Um, now remember this was kind of for an iron, this is what I'll call a neutral, maybe slightly better player angle of attack at negative 4.3. We didn't have it at zero like we have it a driver, because if we did, everything would pop the ball in the air. But um what 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 we wanted to show here was with everything neutral, just what the range is of these clubs. And it's it's massive. I mean, it's absolutely massive. 30 yards on seven irons. And you get seven irons that are doing anything from spinning at 4460 to spinning at 7473. And you know, um, and you know, there, there, of course, there's a difference of correlation with launch as well, that the highest launching clubs have a tendency of spinning the most, but not always. And it's it's just uh, I think that there's just a wealth of knowledge that will help players to um, be able to at least try 
from the 30 odd choices, two or three and get a better idea as to uh, which clubs might be best for their game. hundred percent. You know, and I, I think that's, that's ultimately what we're going for is to just arm, arm the golfer with this knowledge. Yeah. As you mentioned, I was going to get to this, the, the difference in spin from the lowest to the highest. I mean, 3000, 3000 RPMs. <laughs> I mean, I, it is massive. And, you know, if, if you look at what had the highest spin versus the, the lowest, you know, the highest was the, was the title of 620 forged. And that's, you know, that's your very traditional muscle back. And it would make sense because it's going to be weaker lofted than, than a lot of your game improvement models. And guys that are playing uh, an MB, they're willing to give up distance because they're trying to gain workability. I mean, you look at a guy like Tiger Woods, who, I mean, he just wants to work the ball every direction. And, and you typically can't do that when you go to these stronger lofted game improvement clubs. They're not designed to do that. They're, they're designed to go straight and to help negate a lot of the, the common misses. But yeah, to see something going at, you know, basically 7,000 RPMs, and then you go all the way to the 0311 XP, which is at 4,400. You know, what, what I think it shows is that, you know, golfers can say, oh, you know, I can't, I just can't seem to find an iron out there that fits my game, you know? And, and that's what I've heard from golfers before. They're like, look, I've, I've gone through all the models out there. Nothing is, is better than what I'm playing. I don't really love what I'm playing right now, but I just can't find something that's, that's, that fits all those, um, all my preferences. And then I look at it. I'm like, I don't know how, I don't know how you can't do that. I know a lot of the preferences you know, the determining factor for a lot of golfers is going to be the look and the sound. Those are things that the, that the robot can't, you know, you can't quantify. That's something that only a golfer can, but yeah, it just, it just, again, just goes to show you that there really is an iron out there for everybody. If you're, if you're having a, a spin Delta, that's that wide. 100% 100% agree and launch and distance, you know, and so a lot of it is, you know, people don't think much about it, but if you watch a tour player swing, especially with the seven iron, a lot of times that ball will be off their left heel. I mean, the right heel, sorry. I mean, that ball will be so far back that they're hitting down on that ball. And that's why they need more of a loft angle. That's why, I mean, they are de-lofting that ball. Um, uh, to, you know, get that ball flying and, um, you just, uh, um, you know, if you go and hit that ball with a neutral attack angle, like kind of some average chops, you're just going to sky that thing. Cause the loft is going to be so big. It's going to be hitting like a nine iron or something like that. So you really do have to know how you attack the shot, what your strengths are. And then you can start looking at this chart to see which ones aid your game the best. Yep. Exactly. Um, one of the things that, that I did want to point out, I, we put ball speed on here. I actually toyed with the idea of not putting ball speed on here because the difference in ball speed from, you know, number one to number 10 is so minimal there there's, there's, I mean, sure. If you have a, a muscle back, traditional muscle back iron versus a game improvement iron, you're going to see, you're going to see a larger Delta in ball speed, but 
you know, when it comes to when it comes to irons, I think it's very important. And this is like me personally, you know, I, I know every golfer is different, but it's important to to find something that looks good and then figure out like how much more distance do you want to add? There, there are plenty of ways you can do that. It's, it's not just through the head design. You can also figure, you know, dial things in with the shaft and, and gain more distance if that's something that you want to do. But yeah, it's going to first come down to personal preference and aesthetics, and then you go from there. But, um, for those that are curious, the paradigm Callaway paradigm had the the fastest ball speed, but the difference between it and the Titles T four hundred, which also is, you know, basically game improvement to super game improvement style club, is like 0.5. So it's it's all within within the noise. Well, and and remember, we did all these neutrally to show the differences. If yep. a tour player is hitting some of these, game, you know, uh, better players irons they're probably at negative six negative seven and oh, their sure. launch angle and their spin rates are totally different which is going to bring that ball speed up so it's it it's an apples to apples comparison in one sense but we had to pick kind of a neutral point on this one and the one thing that's interesting about irons is players hit irons anywhere from plus one or two you know just crazy extreme for high handicaps coming over the top to negative seven or eight, you know, really hitting down on the ball and you can get totally different characteristics from that. Yeah, definitely. Um, the other one that I want to point out sort of what you'd expect high toe misses, the, the more game improvement clubs seem to, to shine in this area, but there were, you know, there were some, I wouldn't call them outliers, but clubs that you wouldn't expect to, to see in there. The, I mean, Titles T100S has the tungsten out in the toe. That makes sense. So does the 620CB. It has tungsten. But those are also, you know, they're also better player clubs. Um, the heel misses, JPX 923 Tour from Mizuno was tops. Uh, the difference between center and heel was was less than a yard in distance drop-off. Uh, Ping I-230 also did really well. In, in heel misses. So, but I, again, this is what I love is, is we're, we're really getting, we're really getting down to the nitty gritty with a lot of this when we're trying to highlight stuff, you know, it's, it's more difficult. It's, I would say it's more difficult with irons. As Gene mentioned, we're only doing a three point test, which I still feel like is, is good. You know, we, we can go to, we can go oh, to yeah. maybe, yeah, we can go to six next year. We're not just hitting everything out of the center, but it to be able to highlight like if you not just if you're missing heel or toe on a driver face which you know the driver face is significantly larger but to be able to do this for an iron it, it's just about trying to to really dial in the best option for golfers out there totally agree yep all right so if you want to go check out all the iron insights head over to golf.com and as i mentioned we will have the wedge insights. I, I will tell you the one that really blew me away was it was a measurable that I don't even really consider all that much with wedges, which is ball speed. There, there's there's a seriously fast wedge out there, one that that I was not expecting, and so we'll uh, we'll discuss that one on a future pod. And I I thought again it was more than just the ball speed for this particular wedge, but it was pretty fascinating one that I don't think a lot of golfers are considering out there. Um, the last thing that I did want to bring up this week is with a name it's attached to a name, I should say, who's going to be, I think who's going to be in the mix. I think RB and I both agree. I think he's, 
He's a dark horse. I don't think a lot of people are talking about him, which is crazy. Adam Scott made a very interesting change here in the last couple of weeks. I don't think before RBC Heritage Gene that that anybody would have considered Adam Scott to be a, a front runner to win a major this year. Mm-hmm. But he ended up changing a key piece of his gear. And again, we're getting into the more of the minutia that I love. Um, had a chance to talk to Paul Legering from True Temper, who goes by Lego out on, on tour, probably one of the, the best the best nicknames out there. And Lego has been working with Adam Scott on his gear going all the way back to when he was with when when Lego was with TaylorMade. And he was actually one of the guys who suggested Adam Scott go to KBS Iron Shafts right before he won the 2013 Masters. And Adam Scott, and this is kind of the like the one of us meme. Like Adam Scott's just like regular golfers. When he's struggling, he goes back to what has worked in the past. And he had been using KBS Iron Shafts and not really seeing a lot of success with with the shafts that he used to win the Masters a decade ago. And so Lego suggested that he try something different. He went to Project XLS, which is the low spin. As a couple of people mentioned to me, yes, Adam Scott had used the LZ, which is the the higher launching that had a, a more active loading zone on, on the steel shaft. And he went to the LS after switching to the new uh, mirror irons, the AS1 irons that everybody's been drooling over last year at the Memorial. But it just didn't seem to work out. And so Lego had him go to True Temper Dynamic Gold 2 Issue. And it's made it made a world of difference. So one of the things that that Adam likes to do is he likes to feel load. And with the Project XLS, that's not a, a shaft that you're going to feel a lot of load with. But the the interesting part about the LS was it was actually um, ballooning on him, which you wouldn't expect that from from a guy who's in a low spin shaft. And going to the Dynamic Gold, he was able to get back down into his launch window reduce spin and and start hitting all of his numbers. It, apparently Adam, at least what Lego said, he's not a big launch monitor guy. And he was using the launch monitor to test all these iron shafts. And he found out that that, you know, just through that testing the the X1. But again, this kind of goes back to the reason I'm mentioning this gene is because this goes back to something that I just said about our robotic insights, which is like shaft matters. I know it's I know it's not like the be all end all. I wouldn't ever suggest people start with like of your favorite iron shaft and then pick a head from there. Like find a head that you like and then figure out if your shaft fits that. But you know, tour pros are the perfect example. Like shaft can make a huge difference in in dialing in launch and spin, especially when when you're when you're like a tour pro or a better player and you're not hitting that window. This is this is going to end up being the X factor. Well, and, and, you know, these guys are so exact. you got to remember their swings change over time too. You know, Adam Scott is not a young chicken and he's getting older and I don't he's know. He's still bombing it out him. there. He's hitting it like no, 380 with these drivers. It's like, he's still sneaky long. No, I know. But physically, you know, is he, is he driving it the, the shaft as hard as he was? And oh, no. when you were commenting on that, I started thinking about that, that, you know, maybe something's changed and he's got to go back to it. So 
there's there's small differences, but you know, uh, I was told one time by a governing body that they um, they measure all these players when they come through their test facility um, just to see their launch angle, and their launch angle varies plus or minus a degree, so they could be anywhere from eleven to nine you know, on that given day, hitting the golf balls. The the point being, that's a pretty substantial difference. And if you're trending that way over time, you, um, you know, you might want to look at something that you had in the past that gives you a little bit more control, lowers your spin, whatever your goal is, um, in order to become effective. Um, some of it, to be honest, is chasing ghosts. These guys just get superstitious as well. And, you know, they knew that it was working. It's so difficult to tell where the truth lies because these guys can adjust their swings to whatever they hit. So even they don't know exactly, you know, what what is the head and what is the shaft and what is their swing at that moment. But it is fascinating without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, it. I think when you, when guys get to that point, when they can't quite figure out what it is, that's when you see them on the range with a, with a boatload of shafts and a bunch of different heads. And they're trying different combinations and and trying to trying to find that that best combination that works. Tour pros are a lot like regular golfers. They're they're just you know some weeks it feels like they've got it figured out, and other weeks they just feel completely lost, like they're in a dark room, just just kind of searching for yeah. the handle to get out. Hundred percent agreed. Yeah. All right. Well, I feel like that's a good place to end it. Gene looks like death. We need to get him <laughs> back to bed. <laughs> So that'll do Sorry, my him. normal lack of enthusiasm no. on this pod was not there, but I'll be back next week. He, he will be back next week, as will RB, and we'll have all the latest gear rumblings from Tour, and as I mentioned, all the latest gear insights from our recent wedge testing. That'll do it for episode 190 of Fully Equipped. We're 10 episodes away from 200, which is terrifying, because I don't know what the hell we're going to do for episode 200. Maybe we'll just let Gene riff and like do a, just do a Gene only pod for for number two. I'd love I'd love that. I have all kinds. I would of too. Ideas. We should just make it happen. All right, as you, always, if you want more gear news and listen, if you're not following the social handles, I know I just always do the same riff on the handles every single week. But if you're not following fully equipped on Twitter or Instagram, you're missing out on free stuff. If you are listening to the pod right now, I will let you know that we are giving away a free dozen of the new TaylorMade Professional Championship. That's the the Oak Hill uh, balls that they have the the nuts and the leaves on to to honor Oak Hill side of the PGA Championship. We're giving away a dozen of those special limited edition golf balls on social handles. It's at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram and at Fully Underscore Equipped on Twitter. Thanks as all for listening. Feel better, Gene. Thank you.